When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome to everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie, bringing you another episode of the Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant Holy Land. Today, I'm joined one of the members of the Bucketheads podcast, Justin Golba. How are you doing today, Justin? Good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, awesome. Glad to have you here. We've got a lot to talk about today. We've got spring practice, obviously, with Ohio State football heating up. we got a week till the spring game, so we've got a lot to talk about there. A huge recruiting week and a oh, huge recruiting weekend last weekend. And we've got a hoops roundup. We got a lot of news out of the basketball world, so I'm really glad to have Justin here to talk about that. And then we got a few fun topics to close out the show with this incredible sports weekend we have here. How are you feeling about that? We've got the Masters, Major League Baseball starting. It's a good time. It's a good time to be a sports fan. Probably the last good weekend to me for a long time. Yeah, as a Reds fan, uh, this is pretty much by Sunday, I'll probably stop caring about the season. So at least now I can have some type of hope. Yeah, I just tweeted out. I was like, the Indians are going to lose so many games three to one this year, and I'm going to watch a bunch of them for no good reason. So uh, it's going to be going to be an interesting baseball season. we got the Masters. I know you're a golf guy. So uh, we're going to get into that at the end to see how you're feeling. You know, Tiger Woods had a pretty big day considering everything he's been through this past year. So it's going to be a fun weekend there as well. Uh, but, yeah, let's get started here. Uh, so spring practice, full swing. Uh, this week it was transfer news. The quarterbacks finally got to talk to the media. Um and Ryan Day talked about the depth concerns on the offensive line. So uh, I, I I could uh, turn to you. Where do you want to start with this one? You want to talk about some transfers? You want to talk about the quarterbacks? Ryan Day talking about the offensive line? Yeah, I mean, we can hit on the transfers. I know that that's something that obviously in the college football and basketball world is pretty prevalent nowadays. And um, I mean, it seems like. You know, I'll, I'll refer to you, but it seems like so far Ohio State has come out pretty much okay in the in, in the transfer portal realm. But yeah, absolutely. So uh, the two players this past week who entered the transfer portal and are leaving Ohio State are Lejon Cavazos and Bryson Shaw. Uh, two kind of different stories, I guess, with the college football team. Uh, Lejon Cavazos, uh, talented athlete, never really found his footing didn't get a lot of playing time so he's taking his chances and heading somewhere else Bryson Shaw the lightning rod of conversation he is uh, among Ohio State fans has decided uh, his role this year was probably not going to be as fulfilling as a role he ended up in last year after the Josh Proctor injury so he's heading a different way 
but I, I think the interesting thing here is I don't think either of these players um, – I don't think any of these players are, like, leaving out of ill will. I don't think it's anything in that regard. I just think it's one of those – the grass might be greener for these specific guys than it is at Ohio State. And I think that's a very I, – I think that's more of a – positive you know we're seeing with the program that mostly when guys leave the football program it's never out of spite it's never out of issues like you know we have the marcus williamson and kevon pope blow-ups but outside of those two it seems like it's usually just a cordial affair and i just think that's kind of what i see here so i was wondering how you felt about lejon and bryson shaw Yeah, I mean, I think especially in a guy like Lejean's case, it's kind of what the transfer portal is essentially meant for. Just guys who are there. You know, I saw today that he only played over 20 snaps in one game this year, and that was the Michigan State blowout where I'm pretty sure I could have played at the end of that game. So, you know, it's just he never quite found his footing. I know he was a really fun guy coming in, kind of athlete, you know, kind of a a little bit of – you know, he's, I know he's a workhorse, but it's just tough to see when they don't, like I said, when they don't quite find their footing. And that's what the, like I said, that's what the transfer portal is for is for guys to kind of go somewhere else, maybe find a different path and find a different um, system or whatever the case may be, wherever they feel a little more comfortable. And then, you know, try to kind of, I don't want to say resurrect because he hasn't really done much at all, but, you know, start their college career on a, on a better note. And then Bryson, I think, you know, as you said, he kind of got thrown into the fire a little bit with the Josh Proctor injury. And then with Proctor coming back, it's just going to be, he's definitely going to have a less of a role. And, um, you know, I, th- I think, I think Jim Knowles has made it very clear early on that, you know, he's going to play the the best guys he sees experience. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you did last year. Um, he, he's going to play the best guys he thinks he feels fit. So uh, I think that's where Bryson maybe just saw a better opportunity elsewhere. Uh, when you look at it, like Lejon Cavazos, you know, once Denzel Burt kind of passed him last year, once you saw Cam Brown returning this year, like there wasn't really a place for him to get that like number one corner snaps, you know? So that's like probably strike one strike two, you know, JK Johnson, Jordan Hancock are now in the two deep in front of them. Then the third thing that happened, they moved him into nickel, a position he hasn't been playing at all or practicing in the spring to give him kind of one last shot to break his way into the rotation. But now he's competing against guys who have practiced the position. Number one, Tanner McAllister literally played that exact position at Oklahoma State last year. And Cam Martinez is one of the most gifted athletes on the football team who played a similar role last year. So it's really one of those things where Yes, Lejon could probably go find a place. I think any of the other schools in the Big Ten would be, he'd be an upgrade at. Uh, just from a pure athletic standpoint, you know, I think he's from Texas. He went to IMG Academy, was recruited heavily by the Big Twelve and SEC schools. So I think he's going to land in a Power Five conference. So I, I don't think this will be the last we hear about Lejon Cavazos for sure. Flipping it to Bryson Shaw. I, I was looking into Bryson Shaw's recruiting profile. Uh, the fact that he started 12 games at Ohio State it just kind of shows you where that position was. And I think that's kind of more of a testament to how well Ohio State's recruited, how well they've developed at the position with these young guys who came in. 
and they kind of pushed Bryson Shaw back out. And now we're going to see probably that higher level athleticism that we're used to seeing from the safety position at Ohio State. You know, Court Williams got healthy. You have Ronnie Hickman, who excelled last year. Josh Proctor's back. Kai Stokes is apparently doing incredibly well in camp. So like, I think this is a testament to the young guys who came in with a little bit higher of a pedigree uh, matching that and also just kind of really the new coaching staff seeing these kids and everyone kind of having that clean slate taking a very – uh, like it's making a difference. And I think you saw that with who's stepped up, who's leaving. And unfortunately I don't think Bryce and Sean Lejon Cavazos are the last of the group I see leaving. Yeah. And I think that's kind of an interesting thing when you bring in a new defensive coordinator, like a Jim Knowles and you bring him in from a completely different, you don't promote anybody within it, this is a guy who has no previous relationship with any of these guys outside of probably, you know, obviously Tanner, Tanner McAllister who came with him. So he's just looking at it straight up of, okay, who can I put on the field and where can I sit? And like you said, with legend, it was just, it was tough because, you know, Denzel, uh, Denzel Burke, I always want to say Denzel Ward. Denzel Burke just excelled as a freshman and um, looked fantastic. And then Cam Brown kind of, you know, he came back and he's looking at another year. So it's just when you look at when you look at the places for him to slide in, they're just not really there. And I think that's why, you know, that's why I personally like the transfer portal. I know there's a lot of questions about it, especially in basketball, but um, that's kind of what it's for is for guys to just, you know, that maybe – don't they don't the opportunity that they were presented, especially as a high school recruit or whatnot, just isn't really there anymore. And um, you know, it's 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 kind of a win and it's a, it's a give and a take because you get a Tanner McAllister, but you give a guy like Legend Cavazos and, and Bryson Shaw. So uh, it's just kind of how you play it. Yeah, I, I agree one hundred percent. I think this is exactly how the transfer portal was. This is the good of it. You have players who could potentially be starters elsewhere, get an opportunity to leave immediately and start immediately. And that's something that wasn't the case five, 10 years ago. And they might've stuck it out at Ohio state, but opportunity is the most important thing for these players, especially in an era when you can start making money, when getting to the NFL is a priority for Bryson Shaw. uh, I think he could Find a place where he's playing in that same role. You know, maybe a little less responsibility. Maybe he goes to a team like Wisconsin that runs quite a bit more quarters coverage that might play more to his strength. They're a team that recruited him out of college or out of high school, sorry. And I think that's just kind of opportunity is what the transfer portal was put in place for. And I think this is just one of those this is one of those situations where it's probably best for all involved. Ohio State's developed talent that sort like took them out of their positions and now they have the opportunity to go find work elsewhere. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think uh, the transfers, you know, I, I hinted that there might be a couple more. I mean, we've got some log jams on the defensive line. We've got some log jams on the offensive line. Uh, that running back room has a few too many bodies, if, I, if I'm if i being honest. So I, I think with the scholarship numbers where they're at, I think they still need to get under or 285. So we're going to see a few more bodies checking out of Ohio State. Uh, I think I tweeted out about them. I think 
I don't want to say names on here right now because I just don't like projecting that. We've got the spring game next week, and I think we're really going to find out the pecking order at a lot of these places once that occurs. So we can talk about that more in a couple weeks. But right now, I, I think it's time to talk about some of the more exciting things here. Let, let's. Uh, so we'll go bad, good, or I wouldn't even say bad. We'll go good, bad, ugly, and that's sort of how these – conversation topics broke down so the quarterbacks uh i kind of liked uh i I love hearing the quarterbacks talk i think when you go through college football teams they usually kind of let the leaders the older guys kind of take the media availability but in the spring camp uh everybody gets their chance to talk to the media every non-first year player i should say and that meant devin brown Kyle McCord. Well, Devin Brown's first year, so I don't know where that rule comes into play, Jerry Emig. But uh, Devin Brown, impressing. I think it's exciting. I think the quarterback room's extremely healthy. I think hearing what Kyle McCord said uh, about the fans and people assuming he'd transfer after one season if he didn't win the job uh, was kind of crazy and how he's stuck to the plan. But First impressions after hearing him talk, how, how are you feeling about this quarterback room right now? Obviously, C.J. Stroud's going to be a first-round NFL draft pick next year, but these two guys, they got to speak. How are you feeling about them? Yeah, they're awesome. I mean, this, it's so nice when like, I look at a guy like Devin Brown who likely will go into the season as the third string, and I can look at, I mean, 100 of Division One programs I think it will probably start at next season so um he he just seems like he kind of has the full package he's fun to watch throw the football he really has a good feel for it and um it was interesting to hear kyle mccord i get i mean i guess that's kind of what you want to say since he is still with the program um that you know the transfer stuff was crazy but you know i think that especially after the quinn era stuff kind of i think fans are a little snake bitten so um it's nice to see you know as you said cj stroud is almost guaranteed barring something unforeseen to go to the draft next season. Um, so it'd be down to McCord and, and Devin Brown. So I think they both know that and they're just going to try to kind of, it's the, it's the Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins behind JT Barrett. You know, it's, it's Barrett's job, but you know, that the, the job next season is pretty much up for grabs this season. So they're going to work. Ohio State's going to have some games where those guys are probably going to play the second half. So um they got a tough schedule, but obviously they have their games where they'll put up 70. So it'll be fun to watch them. And I think it's just it's always nice when you have like a Kyle McCord who's coming in with we're well not coming in, but, you know, he's was high school teammates with Marvin Harrison and stuff. So there's always those little connections that might even kind of keep a guy around that people don't think about. So uh, but I, it, it's nice to bring in Devin Brown, because, like I said, I think a lot of fans were kind of, even though C.J. Stroud performed, I think, past anybody's expectations. Um, you know, I think fans were sad to see Quinn Ewers walk out the door just because of what everyone thought he was. So it was nice to see a guy like Devin Brown come in who I think he can sling it with the best of them. So it's fun. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, I think I think it's interesting. Devin Brown came in, you know, we saw the comments about Ryan Day saying he struggled with some snaps. He's a young guy. He's done some really great things. You know, just the coach speak that Ryan Day's just eloquently mastered, you know, uh, Devin Brown, you know, we saw the one throw. I can't remember who it was to. I think it was Ikbuka where he made the one-handed catch. You saw McCord throw a touchdown to Bennett Christian in the goal line scenario. 
it's one of those things like God, like willing, like it doesn't happen. But I do feel very confident if Devin Brown and Kyle McCord had to come in during some spot duty and make some plays like that's exactly what you want in a quarterback room. And I think you mentioned like both these guys would start probably in 90 percent of schools. And I think. With Quinn Ewers' transfer, with Jack Miller's transfer out, like we are going to see how electric that quarterback room actually was last year this season. And I think that's something Kyle McCord mentioned. Like 10 years down the road, he's hoping that you're going to see CJ, you're going to see Jack Miller, you're going to see me, you're going to see me as in Kyle Cord, you're going to see Quinn Ewers, you're going to see that room and be like, damn, that's crazy that all four of those guys were in the same room at the same time being coached by Ryan Day. And they all went on to be successful. And I think when you talk about it, you look at skill sets. Devin Brown's different than McCord. McCord's different than Stroud. They're all different from each other. But in spite of that, like all of them could be successful in Ohio State's offense. And all of them have the skill set to make it to the NFL. And that's that's the most exciting thing to me. I don't think like with all the drama last year, I don't think you could have ended up with a better, more stable quarterback room. Yeah, no, 100%. I think there was a, especially a lot of people thought coming into this season, it would probably be like, oh, you know, maybe Stroud played okay. So now it's down to Stroud and Ewers now because he's been, you know, in the system for longer than what was he on campus for like a week before the season started last year. So, yeah. Um, but now he's, he's gone. And I mean, this is Stroud's, you know, it, it's kind of funny because I know f- I just from being around any fan base, you know, I understand even if as good as Stroud was last year, if he comes out and struggles against Notre Dame, we're probably going to go back to hearing the same stuff. Uh, and that's just a testament to how good Kyle, or we think Kyle McCord and Devin Brown can be. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's a it's a very good problem to have. And um, it's always interesting when you see a guy like Devin Brown come in because half the fans are super excited. They're like, oh, that's great. And the other half, like, when's he going to transfer? And it's like, that's a little glass half empty. But, um, you know, it, it's it's nice to have that problem of, too many cooks in the kitchen, I guess, for lack of a better word. Yeah, you can't have too many Gordon Ramsay's in the kitchen. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Kyle McCord, uh, I mean, it's very the, – the the schedule of this room is very much more on par with what you want as a quarterback's coach. You're going to have your starter, your incumbent starter this year in C.J. Stroud. And then next year you're going to have a legitimate battle between two quarterbacks that are very talented and – Granted, McCord will probably leave if he loses. I think you still keep Devin Brown for an additional year. If McCord ends up playing well enough to get drafted, then Devin Brown's still in a very natural continuity system there and getting his two years as a starter if he needs it and so on and so forth. And that's exactly what you want to build. And Ryan Day's not going to stop taking elite quarterbacks. So, Ohio State fans, it's okay to be excited about all of them. You don't have to look at it glass half empty. People are going to come. People are going to go. Ryan Day is going to try to keep getting top 50, top 25 quarterbacks every single recruiting class. And as we know, as people who've been doing this podcasting for a little bit, it's always about the shiny new thing when it comes to quarterbacks and star players on teams. So uh, it's just – I'm just excited about this room. And I I can't be happier about how it's coming along. And – this is I, I didn't put this in my what I'm most excited about for the spring game, but seeing these two guys go back and forth probably for this entire season and spot duty in the spring game in the fall scrimmage, it's going to be electric. 
Yeah, that is uh, not to jump ahead, but that is one of the things I'm most that probably is the number one thing I'm most excited about for the spring game is just watching not only those two, but also watching CJ Stroud because, you know, he's coming into the season with a lot different kind of eyes on him and whatnot and kind of a different yeah mindset. Um, so we interest, even though spring game, you know, it's it's a practice basically. It's still fun to see, you know, real game scenarios and situations at, for the first time of the season. Yeah, absolutely, and and we'll save we'll save our in depth answers to those questions once we get there. But uh, yeah, I mean, the quarterback room you can't ask for much more, and that's kind of the opposite of how Ryan Day currently feels about the offensive line. So this week during his media availability earlier in the week, Ryan Day talked about how uh, once you get to the twos and threes, the defense is getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. So not good, not good. But I think we could level this thing out. The starting five right now would be incredibly – like you couldn't ask for a better group from a recruiting pedigree, from a mix of experience slash inexperience. You've got Paris Johnson Jr. who played as a starting right guard last year. You've got Matt Jones who's played spot duty and has started football games for Ohio State. You've got Luke Whipler who started at center last year. You've got Donovan Jackson who's one of the highest ranked interior offensive line recruits uh, Ohio State's ever landed. And then at right tackle, you've got a potential first-round pick into one Jones next year. So it's really a loaded starting five, but – we know how fickle depth is on a football team and how quick it goes. Like we saw last year with the safety position. If you're thin at one position, it creates a huge detriment to the defense. So it really does concern me that Ryan Day is worried about the depth on the offensive line. Yeah, yeah. If uh, if there's any injuries on that line, we might for the people that say they want to see C.J. Stroud run, they might see him run uh, because he could be running for his life. So uh, I think you know, like you said, it's a great starting five. In is, you always worry about injuries with the big guys, you know, because they're doing a lot. They're just they're they're moving a lot more up there. So uh, hopefully they'll be able to stay healthy. I don't. It'll be interesting to see kind of as you get closer to season if his if his kind of tone changes a little bit about that because. You have guys that you're learning more about and guys that can maybe, you know, switch in and out of position. You know, guys can surprise you. So it'll be interesting to see come maybe July or August if he if he's singing a different tone there. But, um, yeah, that's always a worry. I mean, as a Browns fan, you know, like last year the Browns on the offensive line on paper were very good, but so many injuries and guys were playing hurt that it didn't look as great on the field. Yeah. So that's something you always worry about. So um, it, hopefully – Hopefully, we'll. See. It's it's just one of those kind of close your eyes and pray that they all stay healthy. Because, like you said, the the five that you see are is a very very good line, and um, and obviously the rest of the offense, there's zero worries. So as long as they can stay healthy, I think they'll be fine. But you know, it is interesting that Ryan Day is kind of already already saying that 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 could be an issue. Yeah, and I, I think it, it goes back, you know, Justin Fry's a new coach there, so he's coming in, he's coaching new guys he hasn't coached before, teaching techniques they might not be comfortable with yet, and there's going to be some of that transitional, like there's going to be some of those transitional setbacks when it comes to coaching, receiving that coaching and executing what the coach wants on top of, you know, 
Coach Studero kind of did let the team down in getting elite recruits a couple of years. So there's a lot of developmental projects, and I don't think Justin Fry isn't capable of getting those guys there. But when you combine those two, Coach Studero's plan with a guy might not match what Justin Fry needs in the moment. So there's that sort of issue I can see arising. You know, you've got guys like Josh Fryer's banged up, so he hasn't really participated in the spring. You know, Emak Bimahi's getting better and improving, but can he be a legitimate depth guy? We don't know. He, we, he, we've heard good things about him out of camp. It, it, it's just one of those things. It'll work itself out. Players are going to rise, but will they rise enough to fill in? And last year, you know, we were kind of we – we had a very deep offensive line, a little too deep, and now you're kind of – in the opposite side because he lost two tackles. Paris Johnson's now kicked back out to left tackle. So it's really thinned out the interior offensive line. I don't really see much tackle depth, which is a very scary thing. And I'm really hoping by the time we get to fall, Ryan Day's mindset's change. And we get to hear Justin Price speak a little bit on his group as well to see what – because I'm excited for the first five, but – it's just – it is really something I don't think a lot of fans pay attention to when they start talking about twos and threes. It is something you should be approaching with caution as a fan because like we saw in the run game last year, just the smallest little intricacies change how well – like Penn State gave Ohio State's offensive line a lot of issues because we had guys playing out of position to get the best lineman on field and they just weren't ready for all the stuff Penn State did. Now you start throwing different bodies in, and you and I both know that offensive line is all about continuity. It's all about having the same guys, and you need to have six or seven guys who could step up and play at any time. Yeah, and you know Justin Fry is a great coach, and I'm excited to see what he can do. I haven't really heard him talk too much uh, yet, but you know, as you said, as Penn State showed them, these defensive line coaches are very good too, and they know if there's a there's a hole in the in in those five they're going to expose it and they're going to go after it so uh you want to have a, a strong a strong core there just especially when you have a guy like cj stroud who you know if you just give him time you're, he's going to move the ball you know you have receivers that are going to get open and you have a quarterback who's going to move the ball so you just need to give him that that small amount of time that he needs um yep which was it was fun listening to him. I don't know if you saw he got really in depth about what he sees when he walks up to the line today, which was kind of fun to. It's always fun to hear those guys talk because you know I didn't play quarterback at Ohio State. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. So it's fun to yeah. listen to that kind of stuff. So, uh, but it will it'll be interesting to see just like you said, kind of how and like I said, how his tone if his tone at all changes come August and if he sees something you know as you said maybe guys get healthier. Um, it, it, these guys take a lot of wear and tear, and they got a tough schedule this year. Obviously, not starting any easier with Notre Dame, so uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of just maybe how they manage those guys, if anything. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it was something to be said when we saw a lot of those issues arise in Minnesota in the Minnesota game. We're like, yes, it's the first game. You know, there's some growing pains with young teams. There's not a lot of experience here. But a lot of those issues kind of plagued the team throughout the season. So Notre Dame's going to be a team that comes in ready. They have a new coach in Marcus Freeman. Uh, they're going to want to prove a point. So it, it really is going to be a huge matchup week one. And 
the offensive line is going to be need to be ready, and everybody one through eighty five needs to be ready week one because that it's very common in college football that more players play in the first game. They'll play forty to fifty guys just in the rotation because they don't know what everyone has yet in game environments, and they'll eventually cut that down as the season progresses. But you just need to have this group ready, and that's something with Ryan Day talking about it. This like he's he's usually very like laid back passive. He never really gives too much away. So for him to come out that aggressively about this conversation topic, that says a lot to me. Yeah. And it might be even him trying to send a small message to some of his offensive line guys. Like, look, I'm telling everybody about this. So step up kind of deal. Um, you know, proxy by media coach, kind of deal. And the it'll, like you said, they're going to have a target on their back. Yeah. And they're probably going to have a target on their back the minute this – obviously they don't need to have a target on their back being Ohio State, but they'll probably be the number one team in the country starting the season, maybe at worst number two. So um, Notre Dame's going to want to come in and make a statement early, so they're going to have to have those guys ready. And like you said, a lot of guys play in those situations because you don't know exactly what everybody has on the first game, and the first game's not Bowling Green this year. So, Yep, and that's – it's going to be a fun one. We've talked plenty about Notre Dame and uh, our sort of excitement about playing them, but we've got a long way to go there. The next big event on the schedule, we're a week out from the spring game. So uh, we already kind of mentioned it. Um, we we'll let, I'll let you go first because you kind of already hinted at yours, but what is uh, the what is the thing you're most excited to see in the spring game next week? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a mix of the quarterback room just because you know you'll see all of them and you'll get to see kind of – I mean, Devin Brown's first time in the game. But really, you know, we still haven't seen too much of Kyle McCord because um, once C.J. Stroud came back from that the game that he missed, the Akron game, he was pretty much off and running. So um, it'll be fun to watch them. And also just – I mean, we know how good – the receivers are going to be, but it is kind of, it's going to be different. Not seeing Olave, not seeing Wilson, you know, seeing those guys like Marvin Harrison's now officially the number two, Emeka Ibuka is officially, you know, a main player. We don't really know what Julian Fleming is going to bring, but we know he's talented. So there's just a lot of moving pieces with that receiving. And it's just fun to watch the skill position players in, in that kind of environment. Um, I think like from a casual standpoint, that's the most fun stuff. And then, when you want to dive deeper into it, that's where the defense plays a role because you're seeing a whole new coach and a whole new scheme and kind of how that's going to play out on the field. But um, just from a, I guess, a entertainment standpoint, I think the receivers are always going to put on a show and they're just, it's incredibly insane how talented that room just continues to be to lose two first rounders and not have a single worry about the, the room is pretty yeah. incredible. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm with you on that. I think when you really break it down, I, I think last year we got to see Marvin Harrison have a little bit of a big-time second half. We got to see JSN do some things. We already knew what we were getting with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. But what I'm hoping to see with the – like to build on what you're saying, what I'm hoping to see is they split up like Jackson Smith and Jake, but Julian Fleming – and like three of the guys against three of the other guys, like Marvin Harrison Jr. on the other side, Amika Buka, uh, like that would be incredibly fun. You get CJ Stroud on one team, you get Kyle McCord on the other. 
uh, go with a real classic Scarlet and Gray matchup where everyone's kind of split up. And that, that to me, would be incredibly fun on the offensive side. I'm not sure I feel that same way about the defense. I do want to see the true starting group, true 11, and then the backups play. Uh, but I think overall, I think you could organize it in a way that it mixes up the offense pretty well just so we can kind of see what everybody has in that regard. And it, it's exciting. Yeah, and I think the spring game is always fun because it's like your first – there's always this weird kind of month in between – not month, but a couple weeks, normally for high State specifically, uh, of like kind of no basketball and then you have really no football because they're just in camp and they're just kind of talking. And then you have the spring game and it's kind of like, oh, okay, this is – it starts to feel a little more real and it starts to feel like college football is kind of – even though it's not even really close to back, it's kind of feeling like it's back and – yeah. Um, it's just it's just a fun entertainment. I remember watching it. I remember watching it last year, and I was just. It, it's kind of like the defense. I need to see. Or I want to see some stuff because they're the ones with the question marks. The offense. I, mm-hmm. I think this team's gonna sleepwalk their way to fifty points a game. So let's have some fun with it. <laughs> I don't really need yeah, to see much. That's, that's exactly where I went with my first uh, thing. I'm most excited about. I really am excited to see this defense in a game situation, like. I know I put game in air quotes in the show notes, but like them lining up on TV, everyone's going to be watching them. Jim Knowles is going to be calling a calling plays, like getting everyone out there and they're not going to show too much. It's going to be the base defense. So you might do a few coverage and safety roles and all that type of stuff you love to see from a defense that we didn't really see last year, but it's really just going to be about seeing to the, the 11 guys who go out there first, the types of coverages we get to see, um, and just kind of the different alignments, how much is going to be different, how much is going to kind of build off that standard four-two-five. Ryan Day likes to have his defense in. And that that's the most exciting thing for me. Like, anytime there's a new coach – I think is number one for me. And then quarterback battles are like a one B to me. And there's no quarterback battle this year. And there's a whole new defensive coaching staff outside of Larry Johnson. So that's what's got me most excited. Yeah. It's kind of a nice, a nice Testament to CJ Stroud that last season, you know, coming in the spring game, it was like one of our first times really seeing him and whatnot. And now, even though the quarterback room is still extremely deep, we're coming into this season with like no no questions about where he is in that rotation. So um, it'll be it'll be and it's kind of be interesting to see if he if he takes it a little bit differently. So because um, he's coming in, I don't want to say he's coming in with higher expectations because he was he's probably coming in a lot more comfortable. Uh, but there was you know still a lot of people. I mean he's probably one A one B with Bryce Young in terms of best players in college football to most people. So uh, it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see just obviously he'll take the spring game easy, but still see him for the first time in that kind of environment. Yeah. And like like you said, he'll take the spring game easy. I would be happy if I saw CJ Stroud get like two series, go like 12 of 14, throwing the football, two touchdowns and just call it a day. Cause then we're like, all right, CJ Stroud's still good at football. We've seen enough. Let's get these two other young guys, some, real important reps in this scrimmage sort of setting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I hope he comes out and goes like 0 for 15 and just throws a loop into everything they're trying to do. Yeah. Oh, for, for content, absolutely. Oh, no. I'm excited. Dude. What do we do? <laughs> yeah, that would, yeah make, that would make for a fun buck off the next the next week. We don't know what is, happened to CJ Stroud. Yeah, there is nothing more – there is nothing better for podcast downloads than disasters. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> that was uh, like we always do instant recaps after basketball games, and the ones that they win do no numbers, and the ones they lose go crazy. It's like that doesn't make yeah. any sense, but okay. Yeah, that's the funniest part about – that's the funniest part about this little little stuff we do here is people don't really – people love to learn when it's good, and they really just love to just in – people just love to listen to stuff that – makes them a little angry, a little irritated, stuff they disagree with. And that's why I'm so opinionated. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, yeah, it's going to be fun. I, I think the spring game is what it's all about. Uh, I mean, that's what you worked for for three, four weeks in the spring. And then I, I, I'm going to – I'm going. It's che- It was super cheap, the tickets. So I, I bought them, like, immediately when they were released. So it'll be my first time in the stadium since my last year in college before COVID happened. So – I'm excited to be back in the shoe. Uh, and, you know, I, I think uh, the last thing I'm excited about, I just I love seeing the linemen. I love they're just so big. They're so athletic. This new group's going to play together, and it's just fun. They're such a – like, if you, like linemen are just so tight-knit that I'm excited to see what this group becomes. And this is going to be our first look at them, and that's the last thing I'm excited about outside of, you know, just everything about this game. Yeah, it's just exciting to see guys back on a field doing football things. Absolutely, uh, but yeah, I think we've I think we fit everything we've wanted to talk about with spring practice with football, like from the team standpoint that's currently there. Uh, so yeah, let's get into. I would be remiss if I didn't have one of our basketball experts on here, and I didn't talk about a little basketball. Uh, the hoops team. You know, I think we've all had enough time away from how the season ended in the round of 32. You know, Holtman, uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, no one wants to fire him right now because it's the football offseason. And most of those people in that club have given up on basketball for until next February. Uh, So I I just kind of wanted to go through. There's been some big news all of us freaked out yesterday, so I think we just start there. That's the most recent news. Justice Suing announced his return to college, uh, which John Rothstein did no favors with how he worded the tweet, and Justice Suing did no favors without an immediate commitment to Ohio State in any of his messaging. So where are we at with Justice Suing? Should Ohio State fans be worried? And what – should we expect from him coming back from his groin injury and his abdominal injury, whatever it ended up being that took him out for the year? Yeah, it was really interesting to watch kind of that unfold because it was a good it was a good testament to national media versus like local media because Rothstein just tweeted out he knows he doesn't really care how the fan base will like react to that news. And Ohio State's basketball fan base is a little like probably they're thinking on the negative side right now just because of how things have gone. And that's fair. Uh, You know, there's been more bad news than good. So 
they're, they they kind of jump some of them jumped to the bad news immediately so when Rothstein tweeted that a lot of people just assumed that meant oh my god he's gone um as adam jardy who is the we call him friend of our podcast at Bucketheads, we call him the ohio state basketball guru he he know he knows the ins and outs of the program and he tweeted almost exactly as Rothstein tweeted he tweeted hold on like hold on i'm I have a little more information on this than he does. Uh, I think Jar- Jardy doesn't tease stuff. He just sends out information. Yeah, so I think he business. was, I think he's, yeah. So I think he, he had known about the justice suing stuff and then saw Rothstein tweet it. And he was like, Oh, this is going to set off some sort of fire. So he got, so he quickly tweeted out um, that he does, he can confirm justice suing is coming back to college and that he thinks you can pencil justice suing into Ohio state's lineup. I see absolutely no reason for him to transfer i don't know why people are really jumping to that conclusion uh he missed the season but he's going to be the number one guy on this team uh come as long as he comes back and he does have two years of eligibility i, th- I think only use one but you know it's uh, it, there's really no he already transferred from cal and he didn't benefit off the immediate eligibility he had to sit at ohio state yeah. kind of like cj walker did if, if people remember him so so it, there, it, there's just no reason for him to transfer again I would not be worried about it. I think we'll hear from what I've heard, from what I've seen, I think we'll hear this week uh, or next uh, next week, sorry, about Justice Suing. And within the next seven to 10 days, I think he'll release something official from him about it. And he's as long as he comes back, he's going to be the number one guy next year. He's going to be the guy they, they lean on. So um, it's very – I think it's very good news. Obviously, anything can change, and if he transfers out, that's going to be a ginormous blow to the program. So really hoping he doesn't do that. But I think for yeah. now, if I'm an Ohio State fan, I would not worry. Yeah, and I, I think it's definitely that kind of doomsday mindset everybody's had kind of ever since Chris Holtman took over. You know, I think everyone expects Ohio State yeah. basketball to beat Thad Mata's yep. glory years, which is just an unreasonable expectation. He had a five-year run of Ohio recruits that were unheard of. Plus, he had Greg Oden and Mike Conley to start his career. Like, that just doesn't happen all the time. Uh, but, you know, suing, the thing Holman always said about suing was he brings a little bit of everything. He scores well. He's unselfish with the basketball. He set the table a little bit for his teammates. And he's a really good rebounder for a 6'7 wing player. Uh, and he brings a lot to the table. And I think next year you're going to really need that experience. We have an incredibly talented recruiting class coming in. I've heard you guys talk about it in you – know, I almost – since the season ended, everything you guys have tweeted about, he's got a top five class coming in. Like it's going to be a big year. And a lot of those guys I've checked out and they're exciting. So uh, the suing commitment back, I'm, I'm excited here. I've seen with all this NIL, the foundation stuff, the basketball players are taking the opportunity to really give each other some shine with those announcements. So I'm expecting that's sort of what we'll see suing do. Uh, who's the transfer guy we got? He uh, had one of those announcements as well as Michi Johnson today. Yeah, Tanner Holden uh, from Wright State, which was kind Wright of State, like yep. we talked about on Bucketheads last week. It was it was kind of our little bit of a unicorn kind of deal because he just brings everything you need. High State struggle with defensive rebounding. He's a guard that averages eight rebounds a game. Struggle with guys that create their own shot. He got he averaged twenty a game. Plus, in their playing game against Bryant, which had the leading scorer in the country, uh, in Peter, uh, Peter Song, I forget his name. He's a Rutgers transfer, uh, so nobody cares about him. 
But um, yeah, nope. Tanner Holden outscored him. He had thirty. He had thirty. He had thirty-seven points. Uh, so he he's he is a guy who can create his own shot. He's a three-level scorer. He's a big body, so he's a good rebounder. Uh, I think it will be it will be very interesting to see him and Justice Suing on the same, um, kind of on the on the floor together because they can either be the two and the three, they can be the three and the four. If for some reason Malachi Brando comes back, he will not. But if for some reason he does, um, he, 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 they can still slide. He, Tanner Holden is basically Malachi Brando's replacement, but he's big enough and strong enough that. If Malachi Brandon were to get the advice, kind of like EJ Liddell did last year, didn't hear what he wanted to hear in the, at the combine and come back, uh, you can still slide Brandon in at the two and slide Holden to three and suing to four, and then have Zed Key play the five, and that way you have no fright. You're not really having a top five class is great, but you don't want to. These guys still aren't the the King Cunninghams. You don't want the yeah, they're not the Puala Bancheros of the world. You don't want to have to rely on them to play 35 minutes a game. Uh, you want to let them – because it doesn't do anybody any benefits. You know, even Malachi Branham, as good as he was this year, they had to start him kind of right away. And I don't know if people remember the first 10 games of the year because they were kind of weird because Ohio State was beating good teams. Uh, but Malachi Branham was struggling. <laughs> I mean, they beat Wisconsin by 20, and Malachi Branham had zero points and five turnovers. It's insane yeah. to think that Ohio yeah. State beat a team and Malachi Branham had a negative like 12 when he was on the court. So um, it, you don't want to you want to let those guys kind of come in a little more organically. And uh, that's you know, they're going to bring in a couple more transfers soon. I think uh, the dead period started today. So we'll see. I know there's guys like Jalen Bridges from West Virginia. He already kind of took a visit. He's more of a defensive minded guy uh, who can score. You know, he, he averaged eight points a game at West Virginia, and so people look at that and think he's not good on offense. But you got to kind of look at where he's coming from. Uh, West Virginia is not known for putting up ninety-five a game, so you know that's a guy who can, who's only going to get better. You know, you have Kansas State's Nigel Pack, who's who's more of a point guard, but he averaged twenty a game. Eastern Carolina's Tristan Newton averaged twenty a game. So there's a lot of guys they're looking at to bring in that are going to kind of immediately. I like Antonio Reeves from Illinois State, but he is. He was recruited by Illinois. He's from Illinois. He went to Illinois State, and he um, has uh, connections to Illinois, so he might just go to Illinois. But also, Ryan Pedon, Ohio State's assistant coach, just took the Illinois State job, so maybe he'll be able to get in his ear real quick and say, "Hey, go to Columbus." So who knows? Um, but it'll it'll the roster. It's kind of like football. It's like football in like February. It's imp- It's just it, there's so many question marks. Um, Michi Johnson did just pretty much confirm today that he's not transferring. I never thought he would, but some people thought he might transfer yeah. out, but he's not going anywhere. So, but um, that's really uh, it's, put that rumor out there, and a lot of people ran with it. Just yeah. once again, the doomsday scenario mindset of Ohio State basketball yeah. fans took over on that one and ran with it. Yeah, no, nah, he's a. He, I mean, he's a Cleveland kid. I, I know. A lot of people around him just from covering sports in his area, and they they love Chris Holtman, that whole family, and they they've he's been committed to Ohio State for a while. I think he'll he'll be a Buckeye his probably his whole life outside of, you know, kind of like a Justin Arn situation where he has, maybe has one year of eligibility left, just goes and plays it elsewhere. Um, that's another thing, you know, with Justin Arn's leaving, that does open up one scholarship. So I always thought we we talked about this on Bucketheads too. I never counted him in the roster. I thought he was either going to transfer or just uh, graduate. So um, they, yeah, I think they have two scholarships of us left, but 
it's so hard. There's still so many moving parts. So it'll be interesting to see. There's and then there's the question of the the old guy in the room with Seth Towns. If he's even going to come back, he hasn't said anything. He does have a year of eligibility left. So um, we'll see. We've seen older people in college basketball. I'm pretty sure Perry Ellis for Kansas was 37. So. We'll yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I, I know I can't remember who commented on it, but one of the guys is like commented on Seth Towns' Instagram post. He said, "Healthy season." Obviously, Instagram comments can mean anything, and a friend who plays for Ohio State basketball is obviously going to want him to play there. So, I, I just want to see Seth Towns get healthy and play some basketball. I don't. If it's at Ohio State, great. I just want to like that's how bad it's been for him the last few years that I just want to see him get on a basketball court. Yeah, he's the ultimate kind of what if in my mind. Uh, I mean, when he was healthy at, at Harvard, he averaged 17 a game. He was Ivy League's player of the year his sophomore season. I mean, he was a guy that they were projecting could be a league guy. And uh, and when he even when he was transferring, he was down to Ohio State and Duke. You know, it's not exactly the worst uh, options to be down to. So. And even last year when he played, he played well. You know, it was he just he could only well. be on the court for 10 to 15 minutes a game. So He's it's just it, it's so tough. Too. If I yeah, three level score, he can shoot the ball. He's a good rebounder. He's kind of like if Ohio State basketball fans remember LaQuinton Ross, kind of a guy that can score in traffic, uh, can shoot over guys because he's he's got he's got length. He's just. He's never been a great defender, but um, is it's just kind of a bummer that these injuries have really just, I mean, crippled his. He's been in college for six seasons, and he's been hurt for three of them. He's missed three seasons, so it's just it's hard to see if he's truly healthy. It, it's he's also you kind of got to look at. He's a guy with a Harvard. He's a Harvard and Ohio State grad at this point, so he probably is going to have some options in the work in the in the workforce. So at this point, just you know, few, I don't want right? to see him hurt himself to a bad degree yeah i've heard harvard grads do okay um i've heard if you drop out of harvard you do better but nevertheless um we'll see so I, hopefully he'll be able to if he comes back that'd be awesome i'd love to see him but at the end of the day i just kind of wish i just hope he doesn't hurt himself anymore i just wish him the best honestly yeah absolutely and yeah with that not to leave you guys on a negative note we're gonna take a quick break and we'll catch you guys on the flip side just to talk about one more little bit of Ohio State basketball before we get into some recruiting stuff. Uh, so, yep, here you guys after the words from our sponsors. Welcome back in, everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie. Today, joined by Justin Golba. I'm saying that right, right, Justin? Yes, sir. All right, that's all I needed to hear. Uh, yeah, me and Justin Gola. If you guys aren't, make sure you're following our Buckethead's friends, Justin and Connor. And they 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 do a phenomenal job covering Ohio State hoops. It's it's honestly like you know, it's a thankless job because the the fan. It's just it's a lot of work. There's a lot of games. Uh, Ohio State basketball is. I, I use the term lightning rod a lot. It really is of. Just dissenting opinions. It's always doomsday stuff. And you guys, you guys do a great job keeping a level head, getting through the mud, and just providing people with information, uh, different opinions. And it, it's been a lot of fun to see the Bucket Heads community grow a little bit. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. It's it's uh it's been a fun season and um just real quick, I do hope people kind of stick with us. I know it's football season, but you know, we will have some fun. We have some fun guests lined up too, so uh, we'll try to keep people entertained through with a little bit of basketball content through the football season. Yeah, that is what we call a tease in the industry. Uh but yeah, lastly, uh so the the, the uh the big the biggest story Ohio State basketball has right now. Malachi Branham to the draft. Uh, you know, EJ Liddell's gone. Chris Holtman's made that pretty much clear since the season started. Uh, but Malachi Branham, you know, St. Vincent, St. Mary kid, came and the last 20 games of the season was just an electric offensive weapon. I think he's got a long way to go defensively if he's going to be successful in the league. But uh, he, he's really just – he's shot up draft boards. He's in the top 15 in a lot of mock drafts. How, how – how should Ohio State fans feel about the chances he comes back and what is what is his ceiling in the NBA? Yeah, the chances he comes back at this point are probably zero uh, just because he said as long as he gets a first-round guarantee, he's gone and everybody has him. The, only, the, the problem with the only chance that he comes back is that he struggles at the combine and you don't want to wish ill will on anybody that's chasing their dreams. So um, he's probably gone. If he does come back, great. I do think there's stuff that he can work on, but at the end of the day, and we talk about this a lot, the people don't, people don't, the NBA scouts and draft, they don't look at the same things that like fans look at They're First of all, they look at your age. So sometimes we talk about that with Dwayne Washington. You could just be kicking the can down the road. They, their age is huge. So uh, Malachi Branham, they know, look, the money's not in your first contract. It's in your second. So for Malachi Branham, it might be even better to go late in the first round, go to a team like I just spitballing the Celtics um, or the Cavs would be a good team, a team that you don't have to be an immediate contributor. You can learn, you can get better, and then you can kind of work your way through a, through the season and be kind of because you know Cade Cunningham was the number one pick in the draft and he's as talented as he's the future of the Pistons but even he struggled a little bit when he came on because he was immediately the best player in the Pistons um that's you know if we go a little bit later in the first round that can help you because you can kind of find your footing a little better uh and he's a great player I it's hard to really find a comp because he's so he's just he's so good at finding his spots if that makes sense uh, he knows yeah, exactly nice where to get to to make jumper. shots. Yeah, he, he just automatically yeah, yeah, found it every old single time. Guy with the with the mid range, could still hit the threes. Could still Something get I, to the rim. Yeah, yeah the, just the two offensive cops I've seen, and I and I, I strictly say offensive because these two guys are incredible defenders, and as you said, Brandon does have some work to do in that category. But offensively, he reminds me of a little bit of a Victor Oladipo or Jalen Brown. Um, Jalen Brown a little more kind of recent because Oladipo has been struggling with some injuries, but you know, just a guy who can really score at the mid range, a guy who can really get to his spots. Uh, he's, he's an underrated passer. I think there was times where Malachi, I mean, the first game of the season yeah. was a really good indicator on who Malachi Brandon was, because if people remember the Akron game, he had the ball in his hands down one with two seconds left and almost every freshman in the, even senior in the country is going to shoot that ball. He made a quick pass to Zed Key and Zed Key had a bunny layup. And that's just the quick thinking right there. Like NBA scouts saw that and they were like, oh, hold up. Because that's brain power. That's, that's IQ. That's, he was Can't never, ever really, it looked like, 
yeah, stuff you can't teach and the stuff that, um, you know, I mean, going to an elite program like St. V as in high school helps with stuff like that uh, because you're, you're learning under great coaches like Drew Joyce. And um, that's just stuff that, that that's the stuff that Malachi Branham has always had that just kind of makes him stand out a little bit. I remember watching that pass and I was like, this he's going to be something really good. Obviously it sucks. Only get him. They kind of had the worst case scenario happen in the tournament where he went nuclear a little bit and they still lost. Um, yeah. So, cause they lost to Villanova and obviously Branham. So you don't, you don't ever want anyone to play poorly, but if he did play poorly, it probably would have enticed him to come back a little bit more. Uh, but since he played well, he's probably gone. So, you know, but I'm also not going to argue with, I mean, they lost to a final four team. So that's the benefit. Yeah, I mean, we could we could honestly go back and look at the Ad Akron game and be like, yeah, you know what? We probably should have known this Ohio State team was going to be an absolute roller coaster this season. Uh, but, you know, the season's gone. I think I, I personally think it was a successful tournament. You know, losing they fought really hard against Villanova, got it down to what, two points. Villanova showed that they're a Final Four team. Probably could have given Kansas a little bit more of a challenge if their best player didn't get hurt. But all, all, in, all is good with – I think all is good with the basketball program. I'm very excited to get to next season. And you you guys do personally keep me more engaged with college basketball just because I'm seeing it every day. So, uh, yeah, I think that's – I think we hit everything I wanted to when it came to college basketball, the Ohio State Hoops program. Uh, so, yeah, next thing on the list we got to get to, some recruiting news. Uh, it, it was big. This past weekend for Ohio State, it was a huge recruiting weekend. Uh, I, it wasn't their barbecue or whatever they turned their – their Buckeye, their like the Buckeye frenzy, but for football recruits, uh, whatever that is. And it wasn't that, but there were a ton of big names. Uh, South Florida Express, a huge seven on seven team was there. I, I just remember seeing all the recruiting guys just retweeting a bunch of different people, so much so that I couldn't really keep up with it. But one big name that was there over the weekend was Malik Hartford. And he goes to Lakota West, uh, home of Jair Brown, Tegra Tishabola. Uh, it's kind of turning into a little bit of a pipeline to Ohio State. And he's a safety, Malik Hartford, four-star guy, 150th ranked guy in the country. But I think he's going to be – I think he's going to climb a lot. I think he's probably going to be a top 100 recruit when it's all said and done. Uh, he's just so versatile, plays extremely well. So that's the big news. Uh Justin, I know you kind of covered recruiting in the Northeast. Did you ever get a chance to see Malik Hartford play or high school football? Sorry, not recruiting specifically. Do you ever get a chance to see Malik Hartford play at all? Any takeaways from him committing at all? I never got to see him. Um, I they are that's a that's that is I do know the program. I, you know they have a very good reputation, but um, never got to see him. It seems like you know I'm not I'm not a huge defensive scheme guy and I didn't play safety in college or anything like that, but it seems like he fits into Jim Knowles system pretty well um, with the way he can tackle and uh, you know, the way Jim Knowles likes to scheme. So it seems like it was a really good get for Ohio state. And it seems like that when it comes to recruiting, they just continuously kind of want, it's like a little battle between the position coaches who can recruit the best. Um, yeah. Heartline's still winning. Heartline's still winning it, but you know, uh, Perry Eliano has stepped in and done a great job so far. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that was my my two takeaways was, damn, this Lakota West program is starting to really get Ohio State some players. And Perry Eliano comes in. Uh, he was recruiting him heavy at Cincinnati to the point Malik Hartford was going back and forth between Ohio State and Cincinnati, which, if we know, is a little common with some of those kids from Southern Ohio. But really, once at Ohio State, offer comes in, it's almost a guarantee that the big brother is going to get the player. And Malik Hartford really wanted to play for Perry Eliano, which is why when Eliano came to Ohio State, we saw Malik Hartford kind of start showing more interest there. I knew Eliano was going to land him. He was one of the guys. I So me and Jordan have a running joke on the show where I put my recruiting expert uh, status on the line like every so often. I, I pretty much only take guarantees, and Molly Hartford fit that category. I was very much willing to put my expertise on the line for this one. And I, you said it, he fits. Jim Knowles, he can play the adjuster. He can play the bandit. He's a strong safety through and through. He's going to put on some weight. Uh, Two-sport athlete, elite lacrosse player. You can't really ask for much more from a safety recruit, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, I didn't know that that he was an elite lacrosse la- la- player. It feels like that's a pretty good sport to be good at if you're a safety. I have no idea why. Yeah, but it just feel I don't maybe because of running, you're covering a lot of ground. I don't know, but it just feels like that's a good sport to be good at if you're a safety. I don't I don't know. I've never. That's what you don't hear. Like when you hear two or three sport athletes, it's normally football, basketball, baseball. You know, sometimes track. You don't hear lacrosse too often. That's funny. Yeah, and you know Ohio State's had a had some nice success with former lacrosse players. I know Bryson Shaw gets a lot of hate, former lacrosse player. The big one was Sam Hubbard. He was a big-time lacrosse player. I think had offers from like Notre Dame and so on and so forth. I couldn't imagine, number one, playing yeah. against Sam Hubbard in like football, but being on a lacrosse field with a guy, and he was a little smaller. He was like six, well, and by a little smaller compared to Sam Hubbard, the defensive end. So you've got a six-five guy who moves incredibly well. He's 225 pounds in high school. Like there's just I have I don't want anything to do with that on a lacrosse field, let alone a football field. Yeah, no, you you see a Justin-sized hole in the wall in the stands of me running away from that. You, no. Yeah, <laughs> That's so, insanity. I, I mean, I'm excited. I know uh, with like recruiting in football, it, you get kind of hot right when the season ends with a lot of usually the local kids, the, the immediate takes, you know, you've got those kids that kind of start building your class up, I think, in the – 2024 class, Ohio State's got seven offers out right now, so we're going to see an increase in those. But 2023, they built their offer list. They've got the guys who are immediate takes. They've got kind of that built out. Malik Hartford is exactly the type of player who really starts off one of those momentous like recruiting months, recruiting cycles. I think April is going to be fun. I think there's going to be a couple names who join up. Not putting any dates down because we've got a lot of visits coming throughout April and May and players are going to want to take their visits elsewhere as well before committing because Ryan day is going a little Davo Sweeney with that, but uh, I am with it. Uh, I, I do believe once you commit visit should be a little bit off the table, but I don't think you should ban recruits from it. That's personal uh, conversation for a different day. The other big story from recruiting this week, Cedric Hawkins, uh, one of those South Florida Express guys. I, I believe that's the name of the team. It could just be Florida Express. Uh, but he's a safety commit for Ohio State, defensive back commit. Uh, 
very athletic player, going to be a huge pivotal piece of this class from a recruiting player standpoint, just because of the company he's in. Uh, he's a teammate on his seven on seven team with Carnell Tate and Brandon Ennis. If you guys don't know those two guys, both five star receivers, both huge targets for Brian Hartline. Uh, he, he believes a lot of his teammates will join him. Uh, I, if that doesn't make you excited that seven, these guys are all like top 150, 200 recruits or yeah, they're all four stars or all five stars. So uh, if we get, if we get a bunch of these kids, I couldn't be mad. Um, how, so I, I know we, we could make projections. We could say, Hey, Carnell Tate's coming to Ohio state. Brandon is coming to Ohio state, but how does it make you feel when a player like Cedric Hawkins says it out loud that he believes a lot of his teammates know the best option is coming to Ohio state. Like that's got to feel good. If you're a coach recruiting, that's got to feel good. If you're in that recruiting class, like, Hey, this guy's building this with us. Like that's what we're doing. How's that make you feel? Yeah, it's, it's always nice when you see a guy commit and then they immediately start recruiting for the program um, just because it kind of reassures that, you know, they're all in, you know, because they wouldn't be telling their friends to come if, if they didn't plan on staying. And uh, it, it just kind of reassures that you got the right kind of guy because they want, you know, people to join them. It's it's it says a lot about the high school program because, you know, some high schools like if they get a guy to go to Ohio State, it's like, you know, the craziest things ever happen. And for this program, they're just like. It will take anybody, any any of them. We'll take any of them. So uh, it's just funny how some of those those football. It's funny how some some of these powerhouses operate around the country. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know they all. I, just from looking up all of them, I'll take all of them. So even if Cedric Hawkins is right, that'd be great. Uh, obviously, sometimes they're not right, but uh, it'd be great to see. Uh, you know, it's it's always nice when teammates come in because they have that built-in chemistry. You know, I mean, like like the Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison thing, they broke pretty much every Philly football record, high school record in the book. So, you know, it's fun to watch those guys come in because, you know, they're going to probably get along better than, you know, when you're mixed. I mean, a program like Ohio State, your Bamas, your Georgias, your A&Ms, you're just bringing in talent. So it could be a mixing pot of how guys actually get along. So if the more teammates you bring in, it has to be the better. Yeah, and a big part about this is these guys are on the same seven-on-seven team. They all go to, like, perennial powers in the state of Florida, which is one of the top three football-playing states in the country. Uh, You know, and nationally, when you've got guys like Hawkins, you've got guys like Tate, guys like Ennis, they are around other great players across the country at the big camps, like the Nike, the opening. Uh, You just go down the list. Uh, Like Keon Gray's last year was hanging out with all the Ohio State commits. Like he's from Arizona. Um, uh, Quinn Ewers is from Texas. Like when that was a thing, like they were all hanging out and intermingling at those camps. So it it happens. They all talk to each other. And I'm going to also go on record. Like there are some like bitter feuds among recruits. And I think that's also something that isn't talked about because no one really wants to talk about the negatives. But I was at those camps. There was like a. CJ Hicks was getting chippy with some of these kids who were committed to Alabama. So it's personal. So I, I think Hawkins knows his friends. I think I, I said it last week. If we get one of Tate or Ennis, it's successful. If we get them both, it's once again, a recruiting masterclass from uh, Brian Hartline and any of the other guys on the team, they fit positions and needs. We need some corners. Uh, I believe there's uh, I can't I'm blanking on the name. I don't have it in the notes, unfortunately, but it's a good group. If you go and look up 
any tweet about Cedric Hawkins, this was what the talk about him was this past week. So that's a pretty big deal. Uh, but, yeah, the next thing I wanted to look at, uh, everyone – after the Malik Hartford commitment, started asking the Bill Kirilliks, the recruiting experts around uh, Berm. Uh, I count, I forget about Berm. Uh, who the next guy is going to be? So I, I wanted to make my own list. You know, I'm not necessarily a guy who covers recruiting actively like some of the guys we have at Land Grant, but I am a guy who likes to follow it. So I, I want to put my hat in the ring here. The first guy I have that could be the next recruit, I think it's Mark Fletcher. Uh, running back from American Heritage in Florida. If you guys don't know that in high school, it's incredibly good. They beat IMG very often, and I think it's incredibly fun. Uh, so, Justin, listen to the size of this running back. In high school, he's six feet tall. I've seen 230 pounds and 235 pounds. Uh, so let's – let's. How, how can you – like, that's not fair to other high schoolers. No, it's not. That's that's you know it's you know and it, I you know I covered a lot of uh uh I've covered high school sports in like Nebraska and Ohio and when you have these guys like that um you know they're just they're just built different you can always see it um you know one of the best I think the best high school football player I covered in Nebraska was Jay Ducker who ended up going to Northern Illinois he was their running back this year. Um, and just transferred to Memphis. He was a thousand yard rusher as a freshman, but like this was a guy that was averaging 300 yards a game, you know, and he went to a max school, you know, it's just how good these guys are. Um, and like you said, six foot, you know, that, that kind of size is a high school running back. You know, there's just a lot of kids that are not going to get in the way of that. Yeah. It's, uh, we played, uh, when I was in high school, there was a running back who went to St. John Bosco named Sean McGrew. He was one of those like short stocky types, the five, nine, like two fifteen. in high school. Like when you get one of those muscle hamster running backs, they are impossible to tackle. So I can't even imagine a guy who's built the same exact way, but 20 pounds heavier and just generally bigger. Uh, Fletcher, uh, the the comp I've seen from a lot of the people around Ohio State recruiting is he's he's literally Carlos Hyde. So if you could get Carlos Hyde and then a Richard Young, that'd be incredible. And I do think uh, Mark Fletcher is going to commit soon. The, his words when he came away from his visit feels right at home at Ohio State. This is a place he wants to be at. I think he's an immediate take for Ohio State. So I think let's just make it happen. Let's set the date. Let's get him in. Recruiting expert. Guaranteed. Yeah, and I think when you have a guy like, it's always nice when they talk about the fit, and it seems like uh, I didn't see how his how his visit went, but it seems like it his, the fit was very good. So that's always, I mean, a comparison to Carlos Hyde as a high schooler, not not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, the next guy I have on my list is Austin Saraveld. Uh Interior offensive lineman, Lakota East High School. I uh, So we've talked about Lakota West quite a bit already. Lakota East now joining the party. Uh, Lakota East located in Middletown, Ohio, for those of you Ohio natives. Uh, Austin Saraville, interior offensive lineman. He's a 300-ranked recruit, but I, I think the reason I think he's coming soon, he announced his top three. It's one of those guys. The list is elite of elite. I think it's Ohio State, Alabama, and one other school. Uh I, I think this is the type of guy you want to keep in state. I think he's he's 6'5", 320, so he already looks the part. 
I, I think he, he his body composition probably needs a little work, and that's coming from a guy who's 25 and built like uh, an offensive lineman already. But uh, Austin Saraveld, uh, I think he comes soon. I think all the crystal balls are towards him. If I had any access to making a crystal ball prediction, I think I'd make one for Saraveld. Uh, but he, he's one of those guys, you know, Ohio State, you know, talks about wanting to have enough Ohio kids in each class. And when the class, when the state is putting out enough talent to make it happen where you get 9, 10, 11 guys in your class, it really builds the identity of Ohio State. Because, uh, Justin, I'm not sure. I Did you grow up in Ohio? Uh, because I just know everyone who did. It's just so ingrained. Ohio State football is part of the culture. The opportunity to go play at Ohio State is – one of those monumental things and having those Ohio kids that believe that come to Ohio state really creates a class environment. That's just good for everybody involved. Yeah. And I actually grew up in DC, uh, but my dad went to Ohio state. So I kind of had that in my brain as a child. So, um, you know, I know a lot of, I know a lot of kids that, you know, are Ohio kids that, you know, their dream is played Ohio state. So, Hopefully, Saraveld is one of them. Yeah, and I, I think these are the two guys I'd have next. And then the guy I hope commits really soon is Tackett Curtis, four-star linebacker, mini high school, mini Louisiana. This is Jim Knowles' guy. He was recruiting him heavily at Oklahoma State. Uh, Tackett Curtis has oh, oh, former Oklahoma staff, Lincoln Riley and Austin – or what's his name? Alex Grinch, not Austin Grinch. Come on, Chris. Uh, uh, he USC wants him. Ohio State wants them. LSU is not in the top three, which is interesting to me. But uh, it's going to be another one. I think Ennis and Curtis are two recruits that are hotly contested between those two schools. And Ohio State's won a lot of those battles in the past. This would be the one thing I think Jim Knowles needs to get done to prove to everyone he's not just a philosophical mastermind when it comes to coaching. He's also the recruiter he needs to be for Ohio State football because that's what Kerry Combs did great. Uh, that's what he's he's here to fix the X's and O's, but if he could continue that level of recruiting, it would be incredibly exciting. He's one of the guys. So Tactic Curtis, the reason I want him, he's taking all his visits next month. This month? This month, yeah. Uh, the reason I want him to come – He's visiting Ohio State at the end of the month. He is a coach's kid. He's an absolute beast. He plays offense. He plays defense. He's 225 pounds. An awesome running back for his high school. Great linebacker. That's what he's going to be playing at the next level. And he'd come in, and he's that type of athlete who fits into this 4-2-5 scheme immediately. And he'd join a room of elite linebackers, and it's just he's the guy. Me and Jordan both want him bad. Uh, if he if he makes it, if he commits after his visit, because I think he's going to be a three visit guy, make his list, set the date, commit, and once he he seems like a kid who commits, he's done, and that's what I I, I think a lot of people are echoing about Tackett Curtis, and I think he's a guy who could come to Ohio State and contribute on special teams immediately and be a long term fit at linebacker for him. Yeah, and it's kind of like you said about Jim Knowles when it comes to recruiting. This happened when Chris Holtman took the job at Ohio State. He immediately pulled Kyle Young with him from Butler at Ohio State, and Young at the time was the number two recruit in the state. So it's always nice to see guys, when they take another job, the recruits to follow them because it means that 
you know, they were much more in on the coach than necessarily the program they were at. So uh, when guys follow coaches, it's always a good sign for both of them. Yeah. And, you know, we, we look at the culture fit, you know, maybe there was something he liked about Oklahoma state, but everything there they have at Oklahoma state, you can find at Ohio state and then some. So, uh, plus you got Jim Knowles there still. So I'm hoping that plays into our favor. I'm hoping that, you know, he's going to take his visits. He's going to make the most out of this process like he should, but he's a guy I could see committing in the next few months, probably before his high school season starts because, you know, there's a lot of kids who love to drag it out to signing day, but there's also the half of kids who like to get this done, get their pen to paper signed, uh, not pen to paper signed literally, but their commitment in and just enjoy their senior season and come January, they're ready to go. Yeah. And I actually, when I was talking to, I covered a, in, in, when I was in Nebraska, I covered a top 25 football team in the, in the country. And they, uh, so they had a lot of guys go D one and, Every time I talk to one of them that committed, they always said it was like a weight lifted off their shoulders. So it's always – I think it's nice for these guys just to, you know, as you said, just make – you know, take the visits and make their decision and then just kind of close the book on it. Yeah, so that's that's the recruiting news. I, I think we touched everything. I hope my my recruiting expert status remains because if the if Mark Fletcher commits next, I think I'm just going to put recruiting expert in my uh, – a recruiting insider. I'm going to go from recruiting expert to insider – if Fletcher commits next, because that's what that's what I'm putting it on the line here. You gotta take what you can get, you know. If 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 you're taking it, you can you can roll with it. Once you once you once you get that one, you can roll with it. Yeah. So I'm excited. Recruiting is always fun. I love recruiting. Um, not enough to fully cover it, but I, I just love it. It's just seeing all the kids take their visits, post all the cool pictures. It, it just, it's a joyous thing. And I, I think it's celebrated enough until a kid decides to transfer. Then we get to see the worst in people. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that today. Uh, uh, back to football. And then our final thoughts for the day. Uh, this was funny. And the only reason I want to bring it up, we, we, I, I have beaten the dead horse of the last coaching staff more than probably anybody because I, I just, it just, the defensive coaching staff last year was so disappointing in so many ways that for CJ Stroud to come in to a press conference and say, yeah, I love going up against Jim Knowles' defense. We get to see more than cover one and cover three and our base looks. Uh, that is absolutely an appalling um, just uh, comment. You do not want to hear about a defense, especially last year's defense being that horrendous. Like, that like, I, I just can't even really put into words how disappointed that was. I mean, obviously we saw the product on the field, so it makes sense. But just going back, pulling this up, pulling it out of the grave, like CJ Stroud already feels that much more confident about Jim Knowles as defense coordinator because he rolls coverages and he hides his safeties and he does the little things you expect from an elite college defense. That is not something you want to hear about the old staff. And uh, it just really shows how dysfunctional it was and just having some semblance of continuity this year and consistency and, you know, actual game planning is going to take this defense from whatever it was last year, I'd call it pitiful, to at least good. Yeah, I think it says a lot, too, about Ryan Day because I remember a lot of the conversation after the Michigan game and after the Utah game was like, okay, this is kind of Ryan Day's 
not defining moment, but we need to see what he's going to do about this because if he doesn't do anything, then there's not going to be a lot of excitement going into next season because you've seen what the issues are. And he pretty much gutted it. So, you know, he pretty much brought in completely new guys. And uh, and I like the fact that they went outside of the program for a lot of these guys in, in the Perry Elianos to get the Jim Knowles of the world. And, um, you know, I mean, Jim Knowles, is, he's a defensive coordinator. He's used to coaching against some pretty high-octane offenses in the Big 12 uh, with Oklahoma, with, you know, West Virginia at times, with all those all those teams. So, um yeah, it'll, it'll be fun to watch what he kind of implements. And I think it's just nice as a fan hearing what you know, you always hear more about stuff when guys are gone. And it's nice just to know, like, th- there is some excitement about next season because it's all brand new guys. And uh, I think if, if they would just kind of try to stay the course, the excitement might not be there because of how bad this season was, which is funny to say, because like, they went eleven and two and won the Rose Bowl. You know? Yeah, abs- I mean, absolutely. Like, Must fuck the staff. You know, like, it's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, the ex. I mean, Kerry Combs. It was he got the COVID year. He had a bad year, and then then we ended up firing him. And it it, it was unfortunate because you you love the guy, but you need to have an expectation for the job. You know, the silver bullets. You know, you can't have. All of the fans complaining about the same thing on Saturday. Like once, like casual fans are pointing out, like the defensive ends getting beat on sweeps every single time. Like that's when you know there's yeah. a problem with the defensive coaching staff in a lot of ways. But I, I'm just looking here. Uh, Steel Chambers added kind of to this linebackers and quarterbacks both talking about Jim Knowles. Who would have thought? Uh, Steel Chambers is amazed at how much they have installed in ten practices. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like that's. You can take that two ways. Yes, you're amazed at how much they've been able to install. And that also makes me feel like, what were they trying to install last year? Like, what were they even doing during spring practice as a defensive staff? Like, installing cover one takes a day. Installing cover three takes another day. And we were bad at it? Like, come on. Yeah, it was the Oregon game that Oregon scored in the same play three times in a row, right? Yeah. Oh, and the Michigan game. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was fun. To, that was fun to watch. That was like, and like I said, I'm a very casual, especially on the defensive end of the ball. But even I was like, I feel like something's wrong here. <laughs> yeah, and we we it was we were wrong. Uh, we, well, we weren't wrong. They were very wrong, and that's uh, that's kind of like it, it's exciting because Jim Knowles has brought it in mindset. It, it, I'm trying to find the way to say this in like a way that isn't totally like, cause Kerry Combs knows much more about football than I do. Right. And he's a great recruiter, but Jim Knowles, the ability to teach what you know, that's kind of what I wanted to get at here. The way Jim Knowles seems to come off as a teacher, the way Perry Eliano comes off as a teacher, the way Tim Walton's coming off as a teacher, you know, that is not something that every coach can do. Every coach can tell you what to do in cover three, but to truly make you understand it, then embody why you're doing it, that's coaching, and that's elite coaching. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing. You hear the defenders talk about it. You hear C.J. Stroud like complimenting how much variety he's getting to see, and it's making him a better player because he's seeing more than cover one, cover two, or cover one and cover three. Like That, to me, is what's gotten me the most excited about the defense. I don't need to look at any of the players. I don't need to look at any of that. Just the way – because it's Ohio State. You know we've got talented players. 
just hearing the way the players are talking about what they've learned, how they're executing it, how Jim Knowles will slow it down if they don't understand something, but it's ramped up. He wants everything in, and then he wants to be able to just build off of the base of what he installed. And that's exciting. That's what it is, and that's what coaching is. Yeah, and you know, you hear this phrase a lot in sports, but it's it's the good on good, it's the iron sharpens iron. You know, as if the defense is good in practice, it'll make the offense work harder and it'll make CJ Stroud and those guys better. So it, it'll be exciting to see kind of what they even learn from this. As you see, I mean, you see the Strouds, it's April seventh and he's already talking about it, so that's a good thing. Yeah, and the one thing I want to go on record and say, uh, if Ohio State's starters torch the Ohio State defense. This is not an indictment on Jim Knowles being a bad football coach. You have a first no. round. You have probably multiple first round wide receivers. You have a really experienced mix of offensive linemen. You have Travion Henderson at running back who could score untouched in the spring game. Like that's not out of the question. And then you have CJ Stroud who's going to be one of the a, a top 5 pick next year. So does not indict Jim Knowles if it doesn't look exactly how you want it in 12 practices. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more because uh, he is a new guy, so you got to give him a, a couple chances to get it right. But I think that I think just more and more we learn about this guy, and I know you kind of agree with this. Is just it's I think we got I think we got a very very good coach. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He he's it's just it's fun when you hear the the difference between a coach who like all the beat writers the first time they got to talk to Jim Knowles were like holy crap like this is like a lesson in rocket science and i'm like yeah he's saying a lot of cool stuff like but it's really what really good coaches talk about compared to like what Kerry Combs was saying which you know once again not trying to knock him he's a great defensive backs coach defensive coordinator was a little bit more than he could chew and you can see it in the way Jim Knowles has presented the information to media members and helping them understand what he's trying to accomplish defensively. And that's that's a small thing, but it goes a long way because that helps you think, man, these football players who are studying it every day, who are watching the film, I can't imagine being in a film room with Jim Knowles, and that's exciting. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm excited for next season for sure, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, and honestly, uh, I talked to an old friend of Lane Grant, Holy Land, Patrick Mayhorn, and I made a joke. I was like, you know, he said, let's not assume that Ohio State's defense is going to make a huge leap. I said, very bad to average is a huge leap, Patrick. And uh, it was just a little bit of a, a fun thing to say because that's true. Like, Ohio State was outside the top 50 in yards per play, and I really think this is a national championship level team if they get into the top 25 in yards per play and then get better on third down and then get better at the run conversion rate. So there's a few more advanced stats that were very unfavorable to Ohio State. But overall, the defense was bad, and it could be above average, which would be a huge leap. Yeah, they don't got to be. They don't got to be. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, they don't got to be the Chicago Bears of the '70s. They just have to not give up 40 points a game, and the offense probably will score 50 a game, and they'll probably win a national championship that way. Yeah, this, I don't think this team is going to embody defense wins championships. I think it's defense will not prevent you from winning a championship. And that's really all we've been looking for since Ryan Day's taken yeah. over. And the one year we had it, it was just a little bit of inexperience on the offensive side. It, you know, it just hasn't yeah. lined up like 
it has for some other teams. And I think this year, it, it just every time I look at stats, every time I look at what Ohio State's returning production wise, I'm like, I don't want to say it, but I want to say it every single time I'm on the show. Uh, but I'm not going to say it on this one. But they're going to be very. I mean, they're going to be good, and I think the defense is going to be. It's just hard to gauge the expectations people have. So I I, want to say they're going to be a very good defense next year, and that's what I'll leave it at. Agreed. But, yeah, I think that that takes us into our last conversation topics. You said you're a Reds fan. It's opening day. Uh, We've got the Masters on TV. We're big sports fans. I know you're a big golf guy from your Twitter. Uh, Masters weekend. Let's start there. Uh, Tiger Woods back one under for the day. Uh, You know, he's never been a day one guy at Augusta. But uh, outside of him, uh, who who do you think is going to win? Who after day one, who's your who's your pick to win the Masters? Yeah, after day one, all of my picks and all my favorites are gone. So um, I don't really know. Uh, It should be a fun. I think Dustin Johnson looked really good today. I watched most of his round. Yeah, he looked Uh, like he was having fun. So that's a big big part of his game. He's a fun guy to just kind of watch because he just kind of plots his way around the course and he quietly shoots like a 67 or something. Yeah. Uh, he shot a 69 today. I, you know, Sanjay M looked good. He was five under. But, you know, Cam Smith had the fun round of the day, which was start with a double bogey, end with a double bogey, and throw just eight birdies in the middle. Yeah. So uh, he was four under. That's And then Patrick Cantlay is an interesting one. He finished the day really well. Uh, he was two under. So. I'm a big, I'm a big. My two favorite golfers by far, are Roy McIlroy and Jordan Spieth. Uh, they are not looking. They're both well. Roy's at one over and Jordan Spieth at two over. And honestly, the way Roy plays most first rounds, one over is not bad. He'll make a yeah. move at some point, but I don't, I don't think he'll win it. But I would definitely expect a top ten. My pick, and I was very confident this was Justin Thomas. Uh, I don't know what the hell happened to him today to be four over. That was shocking to me. He was like 85th out of 90 guys. Uh, strokes gained approach, which if you know anything about golf, there's not many better ball strikers than Justin Thomas. So pretty incredible that he just kind of picked really bad time to have his worst round of the season. Uh, but that's Augusta. Is is Justin Thomas the new Ricky Fowler? Or does he already have a major? Uh, he's won the PGA. Okay. Yeah, 2007, okay. 2017. But okay. it, is, it is kind of – and I mean he's also won the players, which is like basically the, a major. major, yeah. Ricky has that. Yeah, so, but it is kind of interesting that he doesn't, as good as he is, it, it's kind of crazy he doesn't have a green jacket, at least by now. Um, yeah. You know, maybe, maybe that Rory path, you know, Rory's done everything in golf you can ever do except that the green jacket. jacket. So that's why, I, that's why I just want him to get it because I'm like, he's just, he's, he's done everything. He's just, he just needs a jacket and he'll, he'll get one eventually, I guess, but <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my pick, I, I tweeted it on Wednesday night. I said, I think the champion's dinner is going to smell a lot like paella next year. And I was kind of hinting at John Rom winning it. And then my friend commented, uh, oh, yeah, you picked the favorite. Congratulations. And I said, <laughs> well, I don't know much about Australian cuisine or I would have picked Cam. I would have made a joke about Cam Smith. So if you guys know anything, uh, I know Foster's isn't actually drinking in – Australia, but there might be some Fosters at the Masters dinner next year. That was my other joke I had lined up, but I never tweeted it. So I, I feel like Rom struggled. Uh, he's also kind of, from what I've seen, he's one of those guys consistent. But if he has a bad round like that, it kind of, kind of put a wrench in that one. And then 
Uh, Cam Smith, like you said, the fun round of the day. And I think we all are pulling for Tiger Woods to be involved at the end at least uh, because that would just be one of the most incredible stories in sports history after damaging both his legs in a car crash uh, a year ago. Yeah, it would be pretty insane if he, you know, he looked good walking up and down the course, but we'll see how, like. Yeah, it's a lot of holes, man. It's a lot. Yeah, Saturday and Sunday might might get interesting. If he, like, like you like I think this is a very common thing with the Masters. If you're within three or four strokes going into the final day, you've got a fighter's chance at winning the green jacket. And I think that's just kind of what you got to aim for. Then obviously the tiger effect comes into play. If he's within three strokes and he hits a birdie early, you know, the gallery is going to be putting that fear of God into other players. Yeah. Another, the other two picks I had were Xander Shoffley and, uh, and um, Brooks Kepka just because Brooks always plays well in majors. And Xander was a water ball on 16 away from probably winning it last year. And both those guys are two over and three over. So I don't know. Not, not the, I'm glad I didn't actually put any picks on this because not the, not the best pick in a week for just anything can change. Um, you yeah, know, the, even the guy like Rory, right? Or is that sad? Yeah. I mean, moving day is technically Saturday, but they're all, they're all moved tomorrow because I think like right now the cut, if the cut was today, it'd be like two over. So there's a lot of stuff that can still happen. So it'll be, It'll be interesting to see how it plays, and it should play a little easier tomorrow. So nice. um, we'll see if some guys come out and just start start firing. Yeah, it's always fa- a fun time. My favorite thing as I've gotten into golf as a hobby is just being like, yeah, that's exactly what I would have done there, uh, even though I yeah. totally could never pull off. Good call. Yeah, like Louis <laughs> Tyson using his uh, three wood to chip onto the green. I was like, yeah, yeah you know, that's something I'd try to do. And it's probably – ended up back on the by the tee box but yeah uh, last thing your MLB teams the Cincinnati Reds uh, I don't think the Reds or the Guardians are going to have much business near the playoffs this year due to cheap ownership okay. but we could still enjoy baseball who, who do you think who if you had to pick one of the 32 or 32 I don't even remember uh, in the MLB to win the World Series who do you got this year I'm a big fan of the underdog, so I'm gonna go with the Dodgers. <laughs> uh, I always root for those small market teams. Yeah, small market. I love. Yeah, no, that's exactly where I was. I mean, I think go. I truly think the Dodgers are rolling out the greatest starting lineup of all time. Yeah, so, no, I, I mean, it's hard if they to go don't against them. Win 110 games this year, it'll be actually a disappointment. Uh, I, I was actually yeah. also gonna think about pick a, picking a small market underdog team i think the red sox are the yankees no i'm just kidding i was gonna go with toronto uh once yeah. again uh, toronto was my second pick once again very small market team there i really like what they built there um they've got a lot of youth in that it feels a little bit like those old astro teams that were kind of coming up but with more money yeah, they're like the they're like the junior league team because like four of their starters, uh, their dads played in the MLB. Like Bo Bichette's dad played in the MLB. Obviously, Vlad Junior. Yes, you know his dad played in the MLB. There, I forget who. It's another. 
there's another there's another junior on their team too. Like they're just a lot of but you like you know that means they've been around ball for a while and they, they kind of built a little more organically than the Dodgers. So the Dodgers just did the Warriors thing of like, oh, we already have probably the best team in the in you know in baseball, but we didn't somehow win a World Series, so we'll just go get an NL MVP, bring him in, and that'll be good. Yeah, and you know that's how it works in baseball. When you have the money, you get the players, and you can't be mad about it. Uh, but you can't be mad at the owners of your team for being cheap. And you know, three one to start the season. I'm going to see, like I said, I'm going to see so many of those games. But it's still, I think it's going to be a lot of fun this year. The full one sixty two. I was listening to Mike Francesa and the Mad Dog. He was on High Heat. Um, Francesa joined uh, the Mad Dog. And he's like, yeah, baseball is your best friend. You get home from work, you throw it on. And that's just kind of what I miss about it. It means the weather's getting warm. We're going to have good vibes coming. And that's that's just all you could ask for for the summer. Yeah, and I, and I will say, uh, as we close this up, just before I forget, uh, if you are an Ohio State Hoops fan, as you're listening to this, there was probably already some good news uh, that came out about the program. But there should be some some justice suing related good news about Ohio state very shortly, imminently coming out. So you can pretty much expect that. And since this release is on Friday, you still heard it here first. Correct. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, Justin. Uh, where can we find you on social media? Where can we find the bucket heads podcast uh, everywhere? Yeah, uh, we're on Twitter at, at Bucketheads uh, underscore LGHL. Uh, we try to do as much as we can interactively on that. I'm trying to get some like trivia up or games or something. I don't know, something to keep people in tune during the basketball season. But you can also find me, Justin underscore Golba on Twitter. And our other co-host, Connor Lamonts is at Lamonts underscore Connor. So uh, you can, if, if you have any interest in basketball, even not Ohio State, just college basketball in general, uh, shoot us a follow and we'll try to the Bucketheads podcast is closing in on 200 followers so I'm trying to get to that number let's get it there if you get if you follow Buck off and you don't follow Bucketheads how dare you um, but yeah thanks for coming Justin and for you guys you can find me at Chris Rennie CFB on Twitter and you can find me find the show at Buck Off Pod uh, as always we appreciate you staying with us this long hopefully you guys enjoyed everything we talked about today recruiting experts basketball you know you get everything from this show whenever you need it uh, but I will see you guys next week adios